Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 62, back to our regularly programmed, regularly scheduled program. Uh, with me is Dom. How's it going, Dom? Yes, that's me. I'm here. Yep. Uh, no Jordan this week, unfortunately, so our first regular episode, and it's going to be, in his words, a fireside groove. Um, yeah, so it's been a while since we did a normal show, so we have like quite a backlog of things we've been playing. I kind of just did the things in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'll go over those real quick. Uh, the Steam sale has been happening, and uh, my wallet is not happy. Uh, though I didn't spend too much. I think all in all I spent 20 bucks, and I got three games out of it. Um, I ended up getting Game Dev Tycoon, which I already put like five hours into. If you're not familiar with it, it's essentially you start off as one guy in a small uh, a small bedroom, and you create your first video game, and you use the money you make to upgrade the things you know about making video games, and you build a bigger team and stuff like that. Really cool. Um, they have the actual like real life systems and the dates. So, like when the NES comes out, you can choose to put your game on that. Obviously, it's not called that for trademark purposes, but close enough. They also um, somebody made a free mod that extends the game to include the PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, uh, and the Nintendo Switch, which is really cool. Um, and I played a couple of like playthroughs through it, and it's interesting to see how playing through as a company who focuses on one genre can help you out, but also being a company that um, dabbles in many different things. And uh, it's cool because if you're familiar with video games, you kind of have a good head start. So like, um, I started off with a, a government sim on PC, and that sold like crazy, you know. Um, then I also ended up making a uh, a casual RPG for uh, the Game Boy, uh, kid-friendly RPG, and that's skyrocketed. I think I called it Catchsters or whatever. Um, yeah, but the game's really fun. You can get in the super weeds about knowing systems, and you also have to build your own specific game engines, and you have to like invest in game engines. It's like a really cool game. If you're into like game dev at all, I highly suggest at least checking it out at the very least. Um, but as far as the other things I picked up on the Steam sale, I also ended up picking up um, Elder Scrolls Special Edition, which was like I think twenty bucks. So I no maybe yeah. So I think I spent like thirty bucks or something like that. Dabbled with it a bit. Um, my power supply hadn't come in yet for my Xbox. I was just wanting to play something, and Skyrim was on sale. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll go play Skyrim. Um, so I played, I dabbled in that a bit. I didn't get outside of, I just finished getting past like when the initial dragon attacks. Um, I haven't even made it to White Run or anything. Um, not even the first city before White Run. I have literally haven't done, I'm still in the cave, I think. Um, also I picked up Darkest Dungeon. This is the game that like, I'm super excited I bought because I was already familiar with Skyrim. I put hundreds, hundreds of hours in it. Um, and Game Dev Tycoon is cool, but it's a smaller experience. Darkest Dungeon is great. Um, it's a, uh, a turn-based strategy game. Uh, you have a party of four um, that you take into the dungeons, obviously, and the goal of the game is to f get through the darkest dungeon. You acquire loot and stuff in your inventory. You acquire, like, trinkets, which you put on your your characters to make them stronger. Um, but there's this whole, like, back end of mechanics of having to deal with them having stress, which is due to them dealing with certain types of creatures or just being in the dark for too long. You have to buy torches, you have to buy like shovels to get through areas. Like it's it's, it's very simplistic on the surface, but it gets super micromanagerial the more deep you get into the game. And having to balance all of these characteristics they get. Whenever you level up a character, they get a characteristic unlock and it can be positive or negative. It could be like they get 10% bonus damage against unholy, which are like undead. 
Or it could be like Kleptomaniac. They're prone to stealing items. So when you find items, they could just steal them and you won't even get them. So it's really cool. I love the game. It's one of those games that... <laughs> Damn it, Bill. <laughs> you stole my potion. Exactly. Um, it's one of those games that gets better and easier, quote-unquote, with repetition. So my first playthrough, I got absolutely decimated. All my characters died, and my game was over. Um, and that was just for me, pure ignorance. I'm not the type of person that does a bunch of research before I play a game. I like to just hands-on learn. Um, and I learned. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Um, yeah, but I'm having fun with it. Uh, it's Yeah, it's just one of those games you hear people putting in massive amount of hours into. And the fact that it was on sale recently had DLC, so I'm adding to picking up that if I really love Darkest Dungeon. Um, and then lastly, I've been playing Speedrunners, which has been on PC for a bit. It came to consoles, and it was a Xbox Games with Gold game. And a couple of my buddies had downloaded it, which is surprising because they're the type of people that don't really download indie games. Um... But if you're not familiar with Speedrunners, it's a one to four player game where you go through these levels that are kind of like loops. And it's the goal is to be the last person alive. And the way you die is you get uh, left off the screen. So people outrun you. And if you're last and you get taken off the screen, you die. And there's power-ups and stuff in it. It's really fun. It's a very uh, replayable game. It actually has a story mode, which is cool. Uh, you can unlock new costumes and stuff like that. Uh, had a blast with that. Really easy achievements if you're looking to stack up your achievements. I'm pretty sure it's the same way on PlayStation. A lot of easy trophies. Um, but that's pretty much it for me. Played a bit more than that, but we we haven't recorded in, like, I think a month. So I just want to chill on everything. <clears throat> so ironically, I've also been playing Skyrim Remastered on PS4. I also picked it up on sale a while back, actually. So I've been resisting all the PSN sales and the Steam sales that have been going on. And just kind of telling myself, you know, I need to play these games that I bought during the last <laughs> exactly. major set of sales, yeah. you know, six months ago. So, I'm like, you know what, I'm just, I want to sit and relax and play some damn Skyrim because I, I really, I forgot how much I love that game. Um, now, it is a remastered version on PS4 Pro on my new 4K TV. So, and this game actually like it runs fully in 4K on the Pro, uh, one of the few, right? Oh, wow. So, I don't know that it's still skyrim we yeah. i think pe like gamers in general and this is our own fault we brought this upon ourselves but we've become obsessed with resolution um when you know the actual the actual like visual fidelity fidelity of the game and the textures and everything else are 10 times more important right uh -huh. um you know like horizon zero dawn didn't run at full 4k but looks a hundred times better than skyrim at four right so it's we we kind of getting we're kind of getting wrapped up in this idea of well it runs at 4K like well, that you know there's there's just from a graphic standpoint there's way there's so many more things that are so much more important than just resolution um, now it still looks really good you know it looks it, probably a little bit better than I even remember so I'm sure if I went and went back and played the 360 version of Skyrim I'd be like <laughs> uh, like my eyes are bleeding right? yeah so <clears throat> and I yeah again I I really love that game I forgot how much I loved it you know I, I think I put close to 100 hours into it on uh, 360. So it's despite all its jank and like horrible acted, not just acted, but like animated NPCs and everything, like it's just a nice, relaxing game. And I just, I like going through and clearing out dungeons and mixing up uh, potions and everything else and cooking. I don't know. It's just, it's just, what's weird because satisfying. 
it became like an internet joke of like, oh yeah, Skyrim's coming out on everything, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason it sells. Like people enjoy playing right. it. It's like people question how Minecraft sold so much. Well, there's probably something there to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm having fun with Skyrim too. Like there's the game's a great game. Like yeah, if all jank, there's a bunch of jank and stuff like that. But all that aside, like it's a fun game. There's a lot going on. Um, Bethesda puts a lot into their lore too, which I appreciate. I'm somebody who oh, yeah. I, I I appreciate lore and like a lot of things going on and it's as deep as you want it to be um yeah so do you read the I'm, books I'm, uh not all of them but i i try to read as many as i can yeah uh, i did that heavily in mass effect but like with skyrim i know quite a bit of the lore but if you were to sit there and like read through every book it'll take you a long while but i also love that they're 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 willing enough to make books that are essentially just like one-off jokes to in and of themselves like, they have the books that are, like, lore of, like, this person did this and this person. And then they'll have a book that's, like, about some weird side story about this guy who just got drunk and disappeared. I, I love that stuff. And <laughs> I, I, I think Skyrim is cool because it is one of those games, like, even though we've put in probably 250 to 300 hours combined in that game, we're still, like, yeah, let's let's play it again. Like, let's just go and play it, you know? that's That says something, so. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because I, I would, had I not just bought it on PS4, I would have waited and bought it on the switch when that comes out instead but i'm definitely not gonna buy it again now um yeah even though it'll be portable which is cool but oh well so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep playing that i i think i need to not buy a new game for a little (laughs) while now because i've it's been a the beginning of this year i've bought a lot um and i still have stuff in the backlog i still have the witcher 3 i want to play again some one of these days so i'm just gonna just casually just enjoy skyrim also you have platinum two, while i'm there you have two day easy. one purchases this year oh you you said you're gonna it, more than likely gonna get wolfenstein 2 and odyssey so it's like that's right. not a common thing for you so you're like in the back of your mind you're like well i'm gonna save money now so i can just t- justify to myself <laughs> exactly later. yeah and then i also want to grab you know call of duty and battlefront this year too so yeah i'm kind of like knowing that is in uh you know a couple months from now i'm just yeah. gonna keep it cool for a while exactly and, uh, Grab a couple of Skyrim trophies. Again, I've I've looked into the trophy list. Pretty easy, which is very time consuming. But that, but I like that. It's um, my kind of thing, you know. Nothing you can miss. Nothing incredibly difficult, you know. Just putting in the time, yeah. Yeah, it's just nice and relaxing. So just real good vibes. <laughs> anyway, other than that, still playing a whole ton of Mario Kart. Finally got that gold cart. Harder than I thought it would be. Um, getting so many stars in every single grand prix at you know 150 cc was surprisingly difficult um there's no chance in hell i'm gonna get that gold mario by doing the same thing at 200 cc you basically have to get first place in every set of cups and it's just it's just not gonna happen it's just too like there's too much luck involved in that game to get competitive with it uh i, I would you you know i would just lose my damn mind yeah um, it's it's not like you know where Call of Duty or, or I guess like Overwatch or something else where the the multiplayer is actually like skill based largely. Um, it's not like you're in first place, you get hit with a couple shells that there's nothing you can do about, and then you end up in tenth. There's, it's just unfair, you know. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to get too deep into the into the weeds with <laughs> Mario Kart. It's just it's best when enjoyed you know in, in a fun couch co-op kind of kind of manner. So. Um, aside from that, since I'm done with Breath of the Wild, I started back up Persona 4 on the Vita. Because I got to play that thing. I told myself, I mean, I, I, I let it drop for a while. Um, 
and I, I keep I still keep hearing about it. I, every I keep hearing about how good this game is, even when I'm not actively searching and asking someone how good it is. I keep hearing <laughs> yeah. it. So I'm like, you know what? I, I wasn't not into it at first, but I want to give it another chance. I'm sure there's something there. I just got to take the time. I, re- I started a new game, turned on the difficulty because I'm not dealing with that shit. Um, you were talking about Darkest Dungeon and the difficulty there. Um, and I think in a turn-based game, difficulty is just a different beast than in a game like Dark Souls. So yeah, in Dark Souls, you can grind away levels and it's not really going to make that boss you're stuck on any easier, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's real-time action combat. Like, you have to actually learn the boss's moves and be patient and, and just execute. You can do that. That's why so many people are able to beat that game at level one, you know, or without any weapons or whatever else because they're just – they just can learn, you know, learn the game. And it might take longer, but grinding levels doesn't really help you. Whereas in a turn-based game, you don't really have that. You have way less control and you're at the mercy of, you know, you need to level up eventually. Like, there's only so much strategy that can yeah. be in there. In in Darkest Dungeon, though, you can't really grind. Because, like, every quest you go on is super important. And there's no, like, bottom-tier quest of, like, just run this a hundred times. You know what I mean? So, unlike... That, that, yeah. It's, it's That I can appreciate. Like, uh, like Fire Emblem, uh, the harder one that just came out, um, you couldn't grind either. So, it wasn't, like this is a hard game and you have to grind a lot. It was like literally like, no, you have to figure out the way to strategically win this battle. Like yeah. we're not going to let you just sink time into it and uh, brute force your way through it. That I can appreciate. Um, now, not that I'm sure I'm, if anyone comments on this, and are going to say, Persona 4 is the easiest JRPG, you fucking pussy. Like, yeah, you're probably right. But I've heard it's tough in the, the first like, two or three palaces and I just don't have the patience for it right now. It's a long enough game as is. I'd rather just go through it. And enjoy the characters and the story, which is really interesting. I, 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 yeah, that's I do what I that. want to play so. that game for, not the combat. Like, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting enough the combat, but yeah, that's what I'm going for. So, other than that, I had a really busy last week and a half, so I haven't, I haven't gotten into too much lately. But we did finish Better Call Saul, the third season. Is it the third or fourth? Third. The third. It was the third because they recently posted that they got renewed for season four. Right. That's right. Which is great news. Um, that, that I didn't doubt would happen anyway but this is the best season of the show by far it did start off a little slow i can understand that complaint the first two seasons but i think it's very much not worth it it's not like i had to grind through the first two seasons um i enjoyed them still but this third season was just like like uh, it made you feel like so many different things um the way they handle each character i don't want to say too much but they make you care about characters you never thought you would and you feel so like you feel like you're in their shoes very much even the, the characters you don't think you like they just do such a great job of that um and everything is so morally gray it's it's fantastic it's definitely right now i mean it's borderline i'm about to say it's better than breaking bad we'll see how it finishes out but it is that good so i had to put uh, that out vince gilligan's working on that as well right He's a showrunner yep. on that as well. Do you think Vince after, Gilligan and Peter Gould, Gold, however he says it. Do you think Vince Gilligan's going to do another show for AMC after Better Call Saul, or do you think he's going to take a break? I could see even see that dude like landing like a HBO show or something. To have the back-to-back run of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know too much about him, so I'm not sure if he's the kind of person who would yeah continue to grow and you know lead up an HBO show or make a movie i don't know or if he's gonna just yeah i just want to break and i'm gonna go make an indie short film or something i have no idea what you know what he's about 
Um, and I've battled in my head, like, do I want him to make anything more in this universe? And I always, I think I consistently land on no. I want this to be the end of it. Um, yeah. I want if he does make something new, I want it to be a different, a different world. And there's also the argument of like people did, weren't really sure about Better Call Saul, and that came out and actually impressed people. And there's the opposite argument of like, oh, yeah. Uh, but you know, there's always that quote of. Uh, you either die a hero or ling- live long enough to become the villain. So exactly. sometimes it's good to just say, no, I'm good. Um, and that's it for everything we've been playing. Like we said, we haven't recorded in like a month. Um, hopefully, I, I'm assuming Jordan will have a big list uh, next week when he's on. Uh, let's get into the news, though. So the first bit of news comes by way of IGN. X Inside Dev announces new game, Somerville. Uh, so if you guys don't remember, uh, shortly after Inside came out, uh, Dino Patti, who was one of the co-founders of Play Dead, um, said that he was leaving Play Dead because he wanted to pursue other ventures. And they recently announced the trailer for his, his new game. Uh, him and Chris Olsen started a new studio. And um, the game's called Somerville. Short trailer. It's like a minute and 11 seconds long. Um, it's in the limbo-ish, inside-ish art style. It looks like it's going to be taking place on a 2d plane it's a weird juxtaposition of these english cottages in like this foresty english countryside and right behind them are like these giant alien monoliths that look like they were pulled out of tron and they have like anti-air missiles that are shooting out and there's like these things so i don't know if it's like an alien invasion um the the description for the game is humans dealing with something after a post-apocalyptic fallout so it's I don't know. It's Dino Patty was part of Limbo and Insider, which are two of my personal favorite games, and their art direction was everything in those games. So I'm excited. Um, did you play Insider or Limbo, Dom? No, I do want to play Inside. Um, next time it goes on sale, I'll grab it. Um, yeah, it looks cool. I just I haven't gotten to it yet. It's just one of those, but I want to. And this new one. Uh, looks cool like i don't know what's going on but i like it yeah and i mean the guy was a part of a studio who has a a average score for their two games of 9.5 like you know inside got tens across the board and limbo essentially got nines across the board so it's like the guy obviously knows what he's doing um i think the most important thing that people are concerned about is if he was going to make games in the same style and from what he said and what you can see in the trailer there is a very big strong um focus on animation and art style and i think that they're going to be nailing it so hopefully it's really good also it's weird uh the name of his studio is called jump ship which i don't know if that's a shot at play dead because he left and he was jumping ship um because there was some riff there it wasn't a super clean split um so i don't know it's just a funny shot just like uh they've talked about how um the guys who left infinity ward named their new studio respawn you know fresh start that was pretty funny yeah um like, Limbo and Insider are two of my favorite games, and I'm super excited for this. Um, this is going to be interesting, though, because if this game isn't good, it's kind of like Play Dead saying, like, yeah, you should have stuck around with us, you know? But I think they have the chops. The game looks really cool. Um, and hopefully it doesn't take a long time for it to come out. Next up, this was one of the more interesting stories. Um, you know, people love their... This comes by of IGN as well. People love their trophies, right? Uh, Jordan's talked yes, about getting Platinums. You've talked about... You've been on a Platinum run lately. People like getting Platinums. You, I think, treat it differently where you only like to really get Platinums in games you super care about. There's a lot of people who are just like, I want to get every Platinum I can. There was this game that came out that was 5 star symbols, 1,000 top rated. And essentially, it it was a dollar, and it 
touted in his description that you could get uh, platinum in under an hour. Um, maybe 30 minutes. I don't remember the exact description. Um, but it's been taken off uh, of the store shelves. You can no longer purchase it. Um, and Dom, you, you're you familiar with the story. What exactly happened? Why was it taken off? So, yeah, this was going on for, I don't know, a day or two. Was, you know, this game was was all the buzz. It was kind of like I Am Mayo, right? This was even less of a game somehow, I guess. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a bunch of people tweeted directly at Sean Layden, um, one of the heads of PlayStation, or the head of PlayStation? I'm not sure. Um, he's in charge. Um, and basically saying, you know, this crap is ridiculous. It devalues, you know, the other Platinums that actually take time to get, in our, you know, for real games. Um, like, please do something about this. And he responded and said, yeah, I'm going to take care of it. And then shortly thereafter, the game was removed from the store. Um, which on one side, well, you know, on one hand, you think, oh, that that's great. Like, good job, Sean Layden. Like, you're looking out for, you know, the gamers and the PS, whatever. But on the other hand, it's kind of... To me, it's kind of public admittance that your game curation sucks. Yep. And if you really don't like these kind of things on your store, that you're not doing a good enough job to keep them out. Like, it's just public admission that you're not doing a good job of that. Now, and I kind of agree with you when you said they would have been better off just leaving it and not responding if this is the approach they're going to take. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got to either... Basically, they, it, after this... If I hear about like anything like this again, then I'm gonna start to get upset. Like, they need to change their policies and what games they let into the store. Um, I'm all about like a, a extremely little curation. You know, I want everyone to get a chance to be on the store and sell their game and everything. But th this was clear, extremely clear. You know, predation of people wanting to get a platinum. <laughs> exploitation of it. Yeah. Exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just. It's not this. This is no. It's not even like it's a bad game or an extremely awful game that doesn't work. Like, it's just not even a game or trying to be a game, really. It's just, yeah. I don't know. Well, <sighs> I think the thing, too, is, like, it is an admittance of failure. Also, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm of two minds, and you probably are, too, of, like, well, I'm on one end, I'm like, yeah, let people, if, it's, if, it's, if it passes certification, which this did, uh, that's why it was posted, if it passes certification, then why shouldn't it be allowed? But also, yeah, it's yeah. either it's like it's like choose a stance either way, right? Either be like, yeah, it passed certification, so it is a game. Stop complaining about it; it's there. If you don't want the platinum, then just don't get it. Or be like, hey, no, this is bad for the state of PlayStation trophies and our community. You have to take one or two stances, like you said. If if this happens, and then later on we see the same type of games getting put on the PSN, then that shows that it was just like a half-assed move, really. You know, um, right. And, yeah, I personally have no issue with the game. If people want to go and get the easy platinum, that's fine. That doesn't reflect as much on me as it does on them. You know what I mean? I don't have an issue with it. But if PlayStation wants to take a hard move and say, like, yo, this isn't cool, we're not going to allow this, then do that. But I really hope they do that, and I hope this isn't just like a, oh, people made a complaint, so let's remove this specific one. You know? Out. So you can get into the gray, and you can say, because, you know, the people that are the most hardcore about getting their platinums, they have hundreds of them. You know, they platinum all the Dark Souls games and Persona and all that. You know, they're just absolute hardcore, and that's, you know, a primary part of their life. Um, and they would say the same kind of thing about, like, Telltale games having platinums, right? Like, yeah. Like, they don't like that. You know what I mean? So I understand that point of view, and it's it's similar to anything where, like, if that's, like, a big part of your life, then, 
yeah, I can understand why you'd be upset that it's so easy for, for other people to get a platinum by just playing through an eight-hour Telltale game. I get that, right? It's like anything that's an important part of someone's life that you don't understand. I mean, this is going to be a weird analogy, but like a religion or something. Yeah. Um, it's kind of not too different, right? Like, we're, I'd be like, why is your religion so important to you? I don't understand that. But, you know, I'm not going to ridicule someone. And I get it, right? Like, some people, yeah. like, have things in their life that are really important. And they're really pr- proud of the, the platinums they've got. So I get their point of view. So I don't, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong or what, what it is. But I understand why that can piss people off. So why don't there's you think- easy platinums out there. I think also the real issue, well, not the real issue, but one of the real issues is its name. The fact that it's five stars and then a thousand <laughs> yeah. top rated totally shows that it's exploitation and predatory. Like, they're like, the people will see this, they'll see, oh, it's top rated, because, you know, for the most part, people aren't that smart. Um, and they'll be like, oh, this is a top rated game, I can get easy platinum. Like, if this was called something else, if this was called, like, wallpaper mashup, because for those of you who didn't even explain what the quote-unquote game is, essentially it's a tile puzzle of 4K wallpapers. Like, if they would have called it, like, 4K wallpaper mashup or something, I think it could have maybe gone over a little bit more, like, a little bit better, you know? I just the, I think the name also added on to the fact that this was, like, it's 98 cents, you can get a platinum in under an hour, it's called 5-star, t- 1,000 top rated. The description was, exactly. yeah, was, you can get a platinum in under an hour. Come on. Just hide it's in the description. Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, meanwhile, you know the one guy <clears throat> who made this game is sitting in his basement, laughing his head off and loving the attention. Imagine and how much money made a, he made off made of some it. Made some money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even for a dollar, it's easy money. Especially right. if PlayStation is going to do a lot to curate during. It, sir. It probably sold thousands of copies. Oh, probably, easy. right? Yeah. Exactly. I I wouldn't even be surprised if it sold like upwards of plus fifty k, dude. Because yeah. once this came went out and people were like. I would love to see the numbers on this. It would be hilarious if this somehow charted MPD. That'd be so oh, funny. Oh man, that's impossible, but it'd just be funny. Um, the next story here comes away of Game Rant. If you've been living under a rock, Nintendo has announced the SNES Mini or the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition. Uh, it's going to be retailed for eighty bucks. Hopefully, you can find it. Uh, eighty bucks in the United States. It comes out September 29th, which is a little after my a little bit over a week after my birthday um i think the price is fine we're, i'm gonna go through the list of the games uh, the standouts anyways i don't want to list every game and then we can talk about it dom um so the standouts are donkey kong country earthbound which i think is really huge final fantasy 3 which is really huge a couple of kirby games uh link to the past legend of link to the past which i think is good uh mega man x secret of mana i think is also a really cool inclusion star fox the Previously unreleased Star Fox 2 that never got a release in the West. Um, Super Street uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, Super Castlevania 4. Super Mario Kart. Super Mario RPG. Super Mario World. Super Metroid. Super Punch-Out! And Yoshi's Island. Uh, I think this is a solid list. Um, for me, this, this is something I'm going to personally try to get a hold of just because I've wanted to play Earthbound. I've wanted to play Secret of Mana. This would be the easiest place for me until we have virtual console for me to play a link to the past as well um just because i don't really use my 3ds anymore and i believe it's available on that virtual console right um i'd assume yes yeah i have it um yeah but well no it's not it is if you have a new 3ds oh, okay that's weird yeah the snet the snes games you have to have the new 3ds that's all for it to, I, yeah um but yeah there's a ton of games on here that like give me a reason to buy it like earthbound is huge for me secret of mana uh link to the past like i said um, Donkey Kong Country, I think we've all played that before. Um, 
I'm not a huge Star Fox guy, so the Star Fox 2 thing doesn't sway me either way. But like having Super Mario Kart, even Super Mario RPG, a game I never touched, is really cool. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty solid value for 80 bucks. Good luck finding one for that much, um, or finding it, period. What do you think about this, Dom? Yeah, so the price is, I think it's great. So also it does include two controllers this time. Um, yep, and they're five foot in length, the cord, which is huge. Right, the longer cords than the NES Classic, so that's good. So they're making up for the extra 20 bucks they're charging for it. Um, granted, it is a great lineup, I agree. It seems like they're missing a few obvious games um, that were surprising. I mean, it's still a great lineup, but you would have thought you'd see Chrono Trigger. If Chrono Trigger was on this, I would have pre-ordered it. I'm 100%. If you give me Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, and Secret of Mana, yeah. like three RPGs I never had a chance to play... That would have been an immediate pre-order for me. Um, or uh, Final Fantasy VI was SNES, right? Yeah. Three, though, th- oh. I think three is huge, too, because that's the game I was thinking yeah. about buying on the Steam sale, and it's like, well, that'd be cool to play it on computer and stuff like that, but if I, I just have it all in one place. Plus, I like the added value of playing it the way, quote-unquote, it was meant to be played, I think adds a lot to that. Also, the fact that there's a second controller, I think, too, like that adds a lot of value. So Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, this thing is cool. And we talked about it a little bit um, already that the, I, I think it's more, it's kind of like backwards compatibility, but to a lesser extent, in my opinion, where I, I actually really want one. And I didn't even, I didn't even grow up playing an SNES, yeah. um, but I kind of want it more as a collector's thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to turn it on and mess around with it every so often, but I'm not going to like spend, you know, 50, 60 hours oh, playing exactly. Secrets of Mana on it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's, and I could be wrong, but. I imagine that that's the case for most people who are buying this. Um, maybe they try to get their people trying to get their kids into it, and it's probably not going to go great. I don't know. And again, I could be way off, but I think the obvious like nostalgia p- part of this is is what they're selling it on, and not necessarily like hey, you can play all these games because you can play all these games in so many different places. Um, and I even say like it, they're easier to play in other places. But again, like you said. This is more akin to the way they're meant to be played. And plus, it's cool. It's a miniature version of the thing. Exactly, yeah. So it's cool. (laughs) Um, They also made a point to say this is only going to be on sale, quote-unquote, until the end of 2017. You can take that two ways. You can take that one. They kind of said the same thing with the NES Classic, and then it sold up until February. Or you can take it as they want to get this out and then focus on making Virtual Console, which we all want on Switch, a thing. Um, because it'd be weird to release Virtual Console and have this selling at the same time if some of these games are available because you're kind of eating into your own sales, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I excited for this, but this also springs on the conversation that I literally just brought up. Like, Virtual Console, like, that needs to happen. And some people, some people are worried that they're choosing this over that, and I don't think that's the case. I think that this is already something they had in the pipeline, you know? Um, yeah. And no, I, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, we've talked about how it seems like the Switch was a rush. It's been a success, which is great, but it does seem like it was a rush to market. And I do think the Virtual Console not being there is a byproduct of that. I think they intentionally wanted the Switch to release with the Virtual Console and all that stuff, obviously. But I think that they, they weighed it releasing earlier with Zelda as more important than it releasing later with all of the software, right? Um, implemented so go ahead though Dom yeah I think I think you're absolutely right people are speculating that what does this mean for virtual console on the switch like it, it means nothing this is very clearly not something that they're trying to replace virtual console with right this is something that they're not even really looking to make money on as they've proven this is more like a marketing you know move like yep. 
they could make so much more money. I don't believe for a second that they're struggling to get these mass produced. I think they could do it without a doubt. They could sell and make as make and sell as many of these as they wanted, but they're not. They're using it, you know, as this high like high valued thing that people want to get their hands on to remind everyone like yeah yeah we're Nintendo like this like we are video games like this is us like this is that shit you want that you can't get like that's what I think it's all a big marketing ploy and I think it's working great as it's getting them in all these different headlines and it's a lot of people are talking about it and it's gonna you know it directly lead into switch sales and I think eventually you know you're gonna see virtual console on the switch I I think that's obvious and they're just gonna take their time and of course nickel and dime us again which we'll gladly pay for so there's nothing wrong there but i don't think this means there won't be a virtual console on switch at all and the thing that would get me excited too is that if they're willing to because some people are like well why would they ever put you know their games in a collection when they can just sell them piecemeal and make a ton of money well they're doing that already right with the nes classic and snes it would be great to me, and I don't know if this would ever happen. It's just the dreamer's mentality. I would love if they came out with a Switch cartridge uh, or game that was the NES Classic, the SNES Classic, and it was just a cartridge that has all those games there, and you just plug it, uh, you put it in your Switch, and you have all access to all those, you know? That would be cool yeah. because it would supplement, if Virtual Console is going to take them longer than they expect, it will supplement that want of playing those classic games, you know? So maybe they can announce, you know, the NES Classic cartridge coming to Switch at this date, then later the SNES one, and you buy yourself time for the Virtual Console. I know it won't fully satisfy people, but I do think it'd be a good workaround to that, and I think that'd be re- really yeah. cool. Yeah. No, it goes back to so when the original NES Classic came out. Not the original NES, but the, <laughs> you know, last year the yeah, NES Classic. Yeah. And everyone was saying, like, Oh yeah, this would be a great thing to see on you know end caps and gas stations and Walgreens. Um, it, it, it we would. could not have been more wrong. It would be um, cool, but that's not what Nintendo's going to do. Yeah, that's yeah. not. And, and it's so much more clear to me now that no, that's that is the opposite of what they want. They don't want this yep. sixty dollar thing to be on an end cap that you grab like when you're on a road trip or whatever. Like no, they want like they want this to be hard to get. They want this going for hundreds of dollars more than it's worth on eBay. Like that's what they want. It's like the the, you know, when you think of a, like a, a Tesla, right? Super expensive, nice, cool new car, whatever else is going on with it. And now they, they're releasing like, you know, the more affordable version, right? So the more people can get their hands on it. Like that's the opposite of what Nintendo's doing. They want their shit to be valued higher, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. we, we, there's a lot to talk about, but I think it's fascinating. Yeah, this is going to be a topic we touch on later because it's, I think it's going to come up again when this eventually releases. We'll probably have a discussion in September, depending on how hard this thing is to get, and probably just going over it again and our thoughts on it and all that stuff. So um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, the last story we're going to end with here before we get into our last topic. Um, so this comes by way of Neurolack over on NeoGAF. I want to give him credit for this. Uh, there was a recent interview with GameSpot um, where um, Bill Roseman and a couple of the people uh, talked about the future Marvel games. We've touched on this a bit, but this goes into some more details. I'm going to read through this. It's it's not too meaty, but I think there's a lot here that is very valuable information. Um, so here are the highlights, and like I said, Nero Lack over on NeoGAF, thank you for this. Um, some of this stuff they've said before, but I'll just cover the whole thing quick for those who don't remember the interviews. Marvel was very happy with the progress of their Marvel Live service, but felt that their console games were not very good. As such, they hired Jay Ong, a gaming executive who used to work at Marvel and Blizzard, to work on fixing that. Marvel also noticed that a ton of their fans were also being introduced to the Marvel Universe or having their primary interaction with Marvel through the games, so they felt it was very important to get the division up to the standards of their film and TV businesses. 
The Arkham games were a huge influence on their strategy for how they make console games. While they didn't want to make games that were literally just Arkham Asylum, they felt that the Arkham title showed that they could design a game directly around what makes a superhero interesting and end up with a great product, even if it didn't exactly match what was already out there in the market. They contrast this with brand slaps, where you just make a game and then shove the new IP, and that's in quotes, that's Marvel's talk, brand slaps, where you just make a game and then shove the IP in it. It doesn't really fit the characters thematically, which is something they try to avoid now. Probably the Activision deal they had. Uh, currently, their games exist in standalone universes because they want to make sure each developer has a lot of freedom. But they are interested in setting up a shared universe of Marvel games someday, assuming it works out for the developers. Which I think, personally, just interjecting, is pretty smart. Uh, you don't want to clasp down your creators right away, right? Giving them the freedom and then being like, hey, eventually when you guys are comfortable enough and you guys create these, we kind of want to interject them into one another. Um, and I'd even argue that I wish it would stay that way. I'm not big on the avengers and justice league thing i think things are better when they're you know contained and it's easier to tell a story that way um comic book fans everywhere are screaming at me and telling me i'm an idiot but i think for it was it was an odd thing for movies to do and it's worked for the movies i think it actually yeah i don't i wouldn't say it's better for video games but it works actually easier in video games from a business side because that means you're at least selling two games you're like selling the game and then like well yeah this character you already played so it helps with sales I, I think there's an argument to be made for each one, um, and I think both of them have their merits. I do appreciate, though, either way, however it ends up working, they're starting off with the individual universes, right, rather than the other way around. Um, a couple more bullet points here. Marvel has large spreadsheets in their office listing out various characters and genres they would like to be in, how they best fit together, and who they think would be the best developers to work on them. They then go around to those developers and start pitching products. They also are more happy, uh, more than happy to take pitches from developers. They say the most important thing about it uh, when they go forward with the game is that the developer actually seems passionate about the character and the product. Since uh, if they're just doing it because while well, this will probably make money, they feel that the result uh, that often results in bad games. Uh, they mentioned there's a variety of unannounced console, mobile, and VR games coming. Um, hmm. Marvel is also interested in getting indies working on. This is one of my most interesting parts about this. Marvel is also interested in getting indies working on Marvel games, but currently their division isn't large enough to handle that. After they get their tentpole business set up, however, they intend to go after that aggressively. Marvel says they feel a lot of innovation in the industry comes from indies, and they definitely want to tap into that. They give the example of how they felt Scotty Young's artwork would be great for an indie game. I'm not familiar with who that is. Probably a comic artist, I assume. And how giving unusual authors has worked out great for comic books and see indie games being akin to that. Two more bullet points, guys. I know it's kind of long. They mentioned that they definitely want to ensure there are games for Spider-Man, the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the Defenders. They literally list those four. But that presumably later, they're interested in propping up games around less-known characters. They mentioned how Ant-Man became a great film success despite being a total unknown beforehand and hope to Don't do even the same games at some point. Um, there's a variety of other stuff about various characters and ideas. Now the, the, he goes into the Defenders thing because like he said they listed it specifically which is odd so what we know so far is they listed Spider-Man, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy and the Defenders Spider-Man is being worked on by Insomniac the Avengers is being worked on by Crystal Dynamics with help from Eidos Montreal Guardians of the Galaxy is being worked on by Eidos Montreal and Telltale also has a Guardians game we have no idea what the, who's working on a Defenders game and it's weird that they would list that in right the last two points the same thing goes with the Avengers 
What makes an Avengers story unique and different from a Spider-Man story or even a Defender story, in a sense we've learned from all kinds of great storytelling and gaming. There are characters like Spider-Man, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Defenders, which are all properties that have a natural awareness and fan affinity, and we absolutely want to make sure that we deliver in those. But I think there's also interest in plucking some characters from obscurity that you may not have heard of and making a game around them. A lot to digest there. I think a, a lot of really cool, interesting ideas. The biggest thing to me is this... All of this is saying that they they were either burned by Activision or they understand the importance about caring about the product. And I also think that, you know, a lot of people tend to forget Marvel was on the on the verge of bankruptcy. That's why they ended up having to sell the rights to a lot of their characters. You know, the X-Men, uh, Deadpool, all of that stuff. Um, now, with the success of the movies, they have a lot of cash. A lot of cash. And I think this is one of the things where... If they hadn't had the success of the movies, they would have probably continued with the Activision stuff, right? The the licensing out. But the fact that they've had such success with the movies gives them a chance to be like, we'll take this slower, we'll grow slower, and we'll care about it more, right? Because it's cool to see like, yeah, you guys care about it and you want it to grow, but I think the reason they have that mindset and they have the investment from the bigger Marvel is because of the success of the movies, so... I read a lot. Do you have anything to talk about with the... You know, they talked about there's unannounced console, mobile, and VR games, and then the indie game thing. There's a lot to go on here. Uh, I think it's really obvious that the the VR game they're working on is uh, Daredevil in VR. I have to make that joke every time a Daredevil video game is, is a possibility in the discussion. Anyway, yeah. um, it is kind of crazy. Something we're not used to is, you know, this level of transparency of what, about what goes on, right? Yeah. Um, this is all coming from right from Marvel. So usually with the with the game studios and publishers, we don't hear about any of this kind of stuff about what goes into it. So it's all super interesting. Um, that's also what makes you know the stuff we normally talk about interesting is that there's so much we don't know. We don't know those conversations, but yep. so it's cool to hear this for once. Um, the kind of stuff they're looking into, and there's a lot to get excited about here. So, well, the cool, the crazy thing too is if they tackle video games the way they tackle movies. I would not, and especially if they're if they're tackling indies too, there could come a point where there's just like Devolver Digital and all these like other people have had a conference. If Marvel's publishing games like that, we could see a Marvel conference at E3. That's actually not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. If they're going to be publishing this many games, because they have they have things in the VR space, the console space, and the mobile space, you know. And Bethesda, I mean, a lot of people didn't like Bethesda's conference. I think all three of us, me and Jordan, were in the agreements of like. Yeah, they didn't show a lot, but it was only half an hour. They didn't. They valued our time, right? Right. And yeah. they had some mobile announcements. They had some VR announcements, and they had a couple, two big blockbusters. That could be a Marvel thing. They could even do the Nintendo Direct thing. It doesn't need to be a conference necessarily. It could just be a video that they upload. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about this. Like you said, the transparency is cool. I think that's because they're new to the publishing thing of like caring for video games. So I think they've seen how badly that can affect the likes of like Activision or EA, and they're like. No, if we be transparent and we tell people we're, what we're exactly doing, we'll earn a lot of good grace before we even release our first game, you know? And I think that's awesome. Um, I think that's pretty much it for Marvel. I think we're excited for what they have. Uh, it's That Defenders thing is weird. I think that's something we're going to hear mm-hmm. about sooner rather than later. Uh, it's just weird that that would be mentioned with the other games that we already know developers for, for them to specifically throw that in. You can say, like, well, yeah, Defenders is a new show that's coming out for them, but, like, I don't know if that'd make much for them to announce anything. Um, 
But we've talked about a lot of happy news with Marvel. Let's get into something that's kind of frustrating and annoying. Uh, <laughs> this story is handpicked for Domini. Um, this comes by way of Games Radar. Uh, Connor Sheridan writes, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered is finally getting available standalone. It's only exclusive on PS4 for the time being. So essentially... Everyone remembers last year you had to pay $80 in order to get the Call of Duty 4 Modern War uh, Warfare remaster. Uh, it was not available standalone. People speculated it would take a couple of months. A lot of smarter people said it's going to be a while. Um, they announced, you know, you can buy it standalone. It's going to be 40 bucks. Uh, it has its own paid DLC too, which is weird. And it has a lot of... Um, they changed the multiplayer to include stuff from the newer Call of Duties, which a lot of fans are indifferent on. Um, the biggest thing here is it's exclusive to PS4 for what we assume at the very least is a month, uh, which I think is hot garbage considering it's a 10-year-old game, and I understand that they have a, you know, PlayStation has a deal with Call of Duty, with Activision for the newer Call of Duties. Like, I don't understand why this extends. It's so odd to me. I, you can go ahead and talk about it, Dom. So, off the bat, I think $40 is probably the right price point. I'm not going to pay that much for it. Nope. Um, not a year the, later. You know, I think, yeah. right, I think they're right to charge for that. I mean, that's probably the smart move. Cause It'll that's sell. <laughs> what it's worth. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, if it was 20 bucks, I would have bought it right away. Oh, easy. Um, yeah. I, I still might if it go. I mean, it will inevitably go on sale, right, for 20 bucks or lower. Um, but even then, I don't know. Now I'm kind of iffy because it's just the whole thing is just rubbing me the wrong way. Um, we can get into a whole discussion about – exclusivity um but this this doesn't serve any benefit but to sony and activision right i don't think this yeah. really helps the consumer where you can at least make the argument for exclusive games where the entire game is exclusive indefinitely that at least they have a uh, an advantage in development that should make that game better right because they get to focus on making it for just one platform yeah. this game already exists for both platforms right this is already on Xbox, just a part of the Infinite Warfare bundle or whatever. So it's literally them, you know, it's uh, in the same realm of offering, you know, exclusive DLC on one platform. Wow, yeah. Activision is, loves doing that, right? It's in that same realm where it doesn't actually help anyone except for the people, you know, the, the publisher and the developer, or, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, so bottom line, this is just stupid. Um, then I also get why Sony and Activision both did this, but they need to start slowing their roll on this kind of stuff. Um, people are really getting on their case about Destiny and that exclusive content. There's um, going to be a gun for is, Destiny, the first Destiny that doesn't release until the second one comes out on Xbox. That's insane. Yeah. It's yeah. like, again, it's a smart business decision when you're looking at it on paper, but if they continue with this and continue to get this bad will, then it's going to come back around. It's the same thing like like we talked about with uh, the lack like Sony not wanting to do cross-platform play. Like it's a smart business decision on paper, but if you keep on if you keep spinning it poorly from your PR side, like it yeah. could come back around and bite you. Like it's just, they just have to be careful with this stuff because I think that's opposite side of the argument. I don't think we have too much to say about Call of Duty specifically. If we're both kind of irritated with it, I think that's the opposite argument um, because you know, for almost every discussion you have, there's two sides. You know, a lot of times it's gray. There's not a right or a wrong. Um, and I think with this, oftentimes we talk about, and you're very keen to bring it up, and you're actually right uh, with it. Is that 
you know, the reason they're not doing this stuff is because they don't need to. They're in the lead, quote-unquote. Like, they, they, it serves no value to them, right? Except for the fact <laughs> that the thing that we don't really bring up is goodwill, right? You saw how much goodwill Xbox lost <laughs> and how quickly people were to jump over to PS4. I, I understand that you don't earn a lot from it, but does Sony not think that because they have this big lead, people aren't prone to just jump ship and go to the next Xbox when this happens because of all yeah. this stuff? Like, yeah, that's what they had to be careful, man. Yeah. They lose too much goodwill, it will come back around and hit, hurt them in the wallet. Like, And, like, we've talked about, like, one of the things that Xbox is missing is first parties, and Phil Spencer has said even after E3, like, I understand we didn't have a whole lot of first parties there, Believe me, I'm working on it. Trust me, I'm working on it, right? And if they come out and they have the single-player narrative experiences that draw you to PlayStation, right? The thing that they have over Xbox. If they have these things, if they have the exclusives that are like, oh, yeah, Xbox has really good exclusives. On top of the fact that you're like, well, now I have a tough decision. Like, they have, they kind of give me the same experiences. And I'm not saying you specifically, but, like, somebody's going to be like, well, remember all that stuff Sony said? Now they really don't even have the advantage I remember of like, yeah, they can say whatever they want. I'll just go to their thing because they have the better games. Like, I think Sony thinks that PlayStation gamers are way more loyal than they actually are. Just like Xbox thought that Xbox gamers were way more loyal than they actually were, you know? And I don't think people are... People are not afraid to switch systems. You know, there's not that loyalty there. And Like we said, though PlayStation is doing all this stuff, it's like bad blood. Like, even this... The Destiny stuff, I have... I would assume that I would have wanted to get Destiny 2 because it looks cool and stuff, but the whole exclusive thing of them not getting a gun until two years after, three years after, and the new game's coming out, that bothers me because there's a difference between me owning an Xbox, Dom, and you owning a PlayStation, me knowing that I'll nev- I will never, I won't be able to play Horizon Zero Dawn unless I own a PlayStation, right? Unless I own a PlayStation, I will not be able to play Horizon Zero Dawn. It's a different thing if me and you both buy Destiny for $60 and you get extra stuff. That bothers me. Right, yeah. Y- yeah. And it bothers me more that it's not even like a, a, a month. It's like two years. So you're telling me I'm paying the same price for the game and I get less. That bothers me. So guess what I do? I vote with my wallet because that's what I intend to do. And like I understand what Activision's doing. I understand what PlayStation's doing. But like the opposite side of the argument is people are so quick to say, well, yeah, they're in the lead. It's a smart business decision. They're not gaining anything from it. But people tend to forget how quickly people will change their minds when the new PlayStation Xbox come out. And if Sony continues to be very bad at PR and not have proper PR training, people will remember that stuff, you know? I think it's just something that's not quite enough. The the side leaning against it is, like you said, like, okay, well, you're going to vote with your wallet and just wait and buy it on Xbox. But a lot of they're counting on a lot of people doing the opposite, right? And saying, oh, exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. well. And I know I'm in the minority. You know, <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, uh, we're just going to buy PlayStations then because we don't want to wait, right? Yeah. Um, that's what they're counting on. And, it, and unless that changes, unless people's behavior changes, uh, Sony has no reason to change their policies in, in yeah. Activision. They have no reason to change this. So if, they want, if we want it changed, then it, people have to do what you're saying and not, you know, not give in. Yeah, if that's what you want, right? And also, yeah. this is something we can talk about too. Don't you think it's, it stings a little bit more because we're nearing, we're on the, we're in the second half of the this generation, right? These deals, I think, make a lot more sense and are legitimate when 2013, uh, 
2013, 14, 15, yeah. when these consoles are first getting to market and people are buying them, it makes sense of like, yeah, Sony wants you to go out and buy. I'm not saying they don't want that now, but like, it makes sense that PlayStation would and Activision would be okay with it. Of like, we want to have this deal because we want people to go out and buy PlayStation 4s. At this point, how many more PlayStation 4s are going to be bought because of that? Like, there's so many out there right. already. Right. That's why I think why it's a, stings a little bit more of like, there's not a much of a race anymore, and there's not really a lot of empty market for them to gain off of it. I don't know. I think the the worst part too is it's a ten year old game that already exists on both. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. gross. It's like it's bad enough Activision did enough to change Modern Warfare, the game we actually loved, much less be like, oh yeah, it's it's exclusive now for a month. Odd. It's really weird. I don't know. It really frustrated me because like we talked about, it was like, and the funny thing is, is I I think me and you both said I don't know if you said it as well, but like when last year before this came out with Infinity. Uh, Infinite Warfare, um, we would have been fine paying forty bucks for it standalone day and date, right? Yeah, then, yep. But now a year but later, now, yeah. it's like still forty bucks, and you it's exclusive. It's like it time changes things. It's awfully awfully weird. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I don't think we have any much to say. Uh, Jordan will hopefully be back next week. Let's get into what we're going to be playing. Uh, you know, at the top of the show, I talked about all the games I bought. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is a game I'm going to continue playing for sure. Um, gonna be playing a whole ton of that. I'll probably have some reports on my frustration or my love of it next week. Uh, also gonna be playing a ton more Elder Scrolls Legends. I love Elder Scrolls Legends. Like, it's probably my favorite CCG, uh, right now. Hearthstone's cool and all, Gwent's cool and all, but Elder Scrolls Legends has my heart. Um, they recently came out with the Heroes of Skyrim expansion, which we saw at the Bethesda conference. Really cool. Um, I think a cool thing CCGs can do is inject characters that you love and you're familiar with and like they've added a lot of like the specific dragons like Alduin and uh, Parthenox uh, or however the hell you say his name um, but they also have a lot of other characters you you go through like your companions and stuff like that and the beauty of Elder Scrolls Legends and I think CCGs in general uh, you've played Skyrim obviously Dom is like the little, the little nods to like lore or items in the game that you're familiar with because you play Elder Scrolls, you know? And I think that's super cool. Um, yeah, I'm having a blast with that game. Outside of that, I'm thinking of anything on console. I'm probably going to get back and try to get around to finishing Prey. I recently got my power supply in. I tried buying a third-party one. It immediately busted two after two hours. Got, oh. a, got a refund, thankfully. So I just went straight to Microsoft and bought it. Um, that's pretty much it, yeah. I'm, I'm in this weird middle space of, like... I don't know what new games I'm... I'm probably getting Madden just because I get it every year because I'm a zombie. Um, but I, I love Madden um, for all of its faults. And the story mode, I think, is cool. But um, I'm just in this middle ground of, like, I'm waiting for the Switch to come out, you know? And I think the first game I'm going to play on Switch is either Breath of the Wild or Kingdom Battle. So I'm in this middle ground of just playing stuff that... Not necessarily new, you know? I'm kind of like you. I'm just, like, play the games I have. So Yeah, just whatever feels right. Exactly. I also, I'm going to try to watch some more movies and stuff, get better at that, and Spider-Man next week, hopefully. What about you? So, I also, I'm going to keep playing Skyrim, because I like it. It's yeah. a fun game. Well, what class are you going with? Yeah. I am a Nord. Is that what you normally go with? Is that your default? The Well, because the first playthrough I did, you know, however many years ago, I, I did the Imperial thing. Um, okay. 
I, I always tell myself I want to make a class as a Argonian or a Khajiit, but I always, like, when it comes down to it, I'm like, ah, I just want to look like a human. <laughs> well, the so I like Argonians. My, my character in Oblivion was Argonian, um, and I like that they can breathe underwater and stuff like that. But, like, playing – I played Oblivion for a long time, obviously, but that was the game. So I kind of lost the draw of that. And Khajiit – the only reason to go Khajiit is if you like playing stealth. And I like stealth in stealth games. I don't really consider Elder Scrolls to be a stealth game, so that's not the way I approach it. Um, and I normally go Nord or something more humanistic. This time, though, for the sake of it, I just picked High Elf and I'm going Mage. Just shooting off Interesting. spells. Interesting. Yeah. I never do that in games. I just say, eh, whatever. Yeah, so I, I did Nord, do one hand, you know, one-handed uh, swords, yeah. and then uh, a spell in the other hand, and then some bow and arrows, some sneaking, you know, all the all that good stuff. I just stay away from the shields. I don't like the shields. Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't fit well. I'd rather just use a heal in the in the offhand, and, you know, um, or fire. That's fun, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I, I really like nah, not the main quest line with the dragons. That's whatever. I like the uh, – the Skyrim Imperial, you know, battle quest line a lot. Oh, I like yeah. the writing with that. Yeah. So I wanted to get the other perspective from the, you know, from the Nords of Skyrim. Uh, I think they have, we can have a debate about this one day, but I think <laughs> they have a way bigger stake uh, to Skyrim. And now when I look at it now, I'm like, oh, get these Imperial Federalists out of here, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. We're, I, we're the Nords. We're going to worship who we want. To talk about. And like, that's the thing too, is like, going back to what we said at the beginning of the show, like people like to joke about this game and be like, uh, oh, Skyrim this, Skyrim that's coming to another thing, but, like, it, it it's a game that'll stick around with us, and we're playing it again, you know? It's saying something for a game we already put 100 hours in. Right. Super cool, man. Like, I love the Dark Brotherhood stuff. That's, like, my favorite stuff, because it's so weird. Oh, yeah. That stuff's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, next they're doing um, Skyrim uh, Fallout Pit-Boy Edition. So when you're playing Fallout 4, you can open up your Pit-Boy and play Skyrim. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, and then they're going to release it for Android on the refrigerator, so you can play Skyrim on your refrigerator. Quick question for you. Obviously, we're talking about what you're going to be playing next week. Early when you're talking about Persona 4 Golden, how close are like are you going to be playing it next week? And how close are you to like? I'm pretty sure you're not close at all to finishing it, right? Not even. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start playing it more. Uh, ne- you know, this weekend and next week. But I I like I started a new game and I got to the first checkpoint and that's it. I've only put like a half an hour into this playthrough, so. Yeah. completely fresh and then oh we have uh i think we'll have the show before then but game of thrones premieres next week now is it next it's a it's the sixth or something it's the seventh or the 17th i thought i don't know we'll look it up but game of thrones is coming upon us now I and mean, we need to be prepared i might actually go back and binge watch last season yeah oh i definitely will especially yeah. the you know the episode you know what i'm talking about yeah yep the uh the budget episode well the lack mm. of how would I phrase that? I don't know. <laughs> the big chunk of budget episode, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Dude, um, I, I, yeah. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I can't even talk about it. I'm just all excitement. I'm just yep. flustered. Uh, yeah. Like I said, hopefully Jordan's able to uh, uh, be on the show next week. If not, we'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Episode 62 is in the bank. Thank you guys for listening. It was a really cool E3. Now we can move on to the regular episodes. Uh, we had quite a bit of news this week. Hopefully we'll have some next week. Post Ether, it's kind of tough, so we might have some straggling news we might include. But, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Controlled Interest. That's C-T-R-L-I-N-T. It's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. And Jordan, who wasn't with us today, is at Mellow Modus. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. We're really close to 100 subscribers. We get a custom URL. 
that helps. Uh, like I've said before, even if you don't watch the YouTube videos and you just listen on iTunes, um, please give a subscription to us. It really helps. Speaking of iTunes, if you can review and leave a rating, that helps as well with the algorithm, getting us up there and having more people listen to us would be great. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week in episode 63 where hopefully uh, we've played some games. <laughs> Bye, guys. And, Jordan, if you're listening, Friends is better than Seinfeld. <laughs>